because making games is easy. Right? Right. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic. And it starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. I'm your host, Kinetic, also known as Nick, and Pokemon Go. Just, just wow. Just wow. Um, I wrote about it very briefly a couple weeks ago, but uh, then it was still really just throwing the entire world for a loop. And in the week since then, we kind of have, I suppose, a little better idea of just what this game means, what it is as sort of a, a turning point in what games are and can be. But, you know, it's not something that exactly came out of nowhere. Uh, even though this is probably a once, either once in a lifetime or probably once ever phenomenon in just how this all went down. But enough of this setup. Um, I have a guest with me here, as always. Um, Alex, how are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. All right. Alex, here is a, another sort of, um, work contact of mine that I've, uh, worked alongside over the years. And Alex, you have had a lot of time actually in this type of game. I know you've been playing Ingress for years now, the sort of predecessor to Pokemon Go. And uh, you actually informed me that you've been playing Pokemon Go as well. That's right. Do you, uh, uh, just out of curiosity, do you play those at the same time or, or you know, when you're wandering around, you just swap between the two of them to see what's going on? I will only do that if I have my external battery attached. <laughs> I do that with my... <laughs> Just normally, it'll kill my battery before I get to the end of the block. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So, um, yeah, why don't we just talk about the uh, sort of origins of this pretty quick. Um, Ingress, I, I know you've spent, you, at one point, you spent some time trying to get more people to play, and I kind of turned it on, and it never exactly grabbed me. It, when I When I tried, there was, and this was... Mm, I don't know, two or three years ago? Yeah, somewhere around there. And um, the sort of the new user experience, onboarding experience, was a bit awkward for me. Um, could you speak to that or, or, or any of that? Sure, yeah. It, it confuses a lot of people. Uh, as a community-based game, we get a lot, we service questions from new players. Like they go on the comms and they ask other players, you know, how do I walk? That's like, well, obviously, <laughs> get, up, get up and walk around. You know, that's what we're talking about, not how do you walk around on the screen. You know? And right. so it is a very different game for uh, for many different people. And sometimes that initial uh, oddity, that unusualness of the game will turn people off. They won't know how to deal with it or won't want to uh, jump that hurdle to get involved in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those who do, those who do typically really enjoy the experience. Right. So that's kind of um I I think that might be for this type of game. Niantic is the the developer for both Ingress and Pokemon Go. Uh yep. I I get the feeling that this is actually something they kind of intended, the kind of thing where, you know, it's a game that forces you to get up and walk around uh, because it's based on your mm-hmm. GPS location. You can't do anything unless you move around, unless you get lucky and you're just on top of something. Um Right. And the uh, uh, from that, I kind of get the impression that it's also intended to have sort of a community uh, 
effect where you when you're getting up and walking around you're also supposed to be talking to people and learning stuff from other people and you know that, like that you said a community ideal. based yeah. game mm-hmm. um and from that i would say that ingress as its own new creation really had sort of a uh, an uphill battle uh you were talking about um uh the uh sort of people trying to get on board and as a new, like I said, a new IP, a new intellectual property uh, that didn't have any sort of pre-built um, engagement for a new user. It's really hard to get over that initial thing, especially because like I said, it just kind of drops you into it. There's not a lot of hand holding or tutorial or much explanation. And so getting a user to stick in can be a bit tricky. I mean, clearly Ingress has been around for years, so it was, you know, whether or not it was a runaway hit for Niantic, it was certainly successful enough to stick around. Compare that to Pokemon. Absolutely. Compare that to Pokemon, where the core concept is you, of Pokemon, is like built into the DNA, is you're supposed to go around and look for things. It It's much more self-explanatory in Pokemon Go. Well, you've had years of anime showing you how to play the game, right? You walk around, you capture Pokemon, and you you train them. Uh, and so when people open up Pokemon Go, open up the scanner, as I like to call it, uh, they see the world, and they see monsters, and they capture them, and it's very intuitive. Uh, if you're a fan of the franchise, which many people are. Yeah. Uh, but with Ingress, like you said, there was no nothing like it before and no easy way to digest it uh, for a first-time user, for, a, for an initial player. You have to sort of figure it out and uh, and make it work on your own and then connect with other players. And there's just so much nuance to Ingress. They had added so many features that make it so involved and interesting uh, that I can spend hours talking to new players, getting them up to speed on how to how to actually play Ingress to the to the hilt. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I feel like Pokemon will get there eventually. Pokemon Go seems like um, the base model for the game. Like this is everything you need to play the game. Anything more is going to come later, right? Uh, like trading Pokemons or, or battling other players, and so these features will come in time. Um, but uh, I think those features too will be intuitive. Uh, however, they're initiated or uh, implemented, like tap to tap to fight or tap to trade. I mean, how, however, those technologies work are supposed to be dead simple. So I think that that will be a big win for Pokemon Go. Uh, okay, a lower hurdle to jump. Yeah. <laughs> It's because it has the built-in framework to explain some of this stuff. So for, for those who haven't, who might be listening, who haven't played Ingress or looked into it, um, why don't you give at least a, the, the baseline sort of explanation for what's going on? Because I remember, you know, you sort of gave me a, a brief, like, plot rundown of the game, and I looked at it, and I'm like, there's supposed to be a plot to this? It just looks like a menu. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, it's almost like the of... mobile equivalent to EVE Online from what... From what I gather, just with the the level of uh, relative level of um, involvement, maybe not intricacy. Uh, but... No, I, don't, I can't speak to intricacy, but you are way more involved in Ingress. Um, yeah. And that's actually the number one metric. The the most the highest level players, the people with the most experience points, are the ones who spend the most time walking around and actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, people who dedicate their free time instead of reading books or doing arithmetic. <laughs> they go out and they play. <laughs> they go out and they play Ingress. And they get high scores, and they learn more about the game, and they're there when the new features launch. And um, oh, so a, a brief rundown of the game. Uh, the the storyline is completely irrelevant. It was supposed to be that demonstration, 
like I was talking about Pokemon is for Pokemon Go, there was supposed to be this sort of visual narrative for Ingress to sort of give us clues about the game and about, you know, uh, anyway. <laughs> the It's basically King of the Hill meets Capture the Flag. Uh, you you want to capture portals and take them to your faction. There's two teams, green and blue. And the objective of the game is to cover the world in your color. Uh, and so to do that, you link three portals together to make fields. And it's really simple. And it's even easier when you work as a team. When you've got two people attacking a portal, t- trying to reduce its hit points to zero so that you can capture it, much like a Pokemon gym, it's easier than just doing it on your own. Um, so the Ingress actually encourages and kind of demands teamwork. Uh, the equipment goes from level one to level eight, the weapons and, and resonators and hardware of the game they actually use to play and, uh, and, and accomplish things goes to eight. And to get level eight gear, you need to get eight players together at mm-hmm. one single portal to make that portal level eight. And so you need to work as a team. You need to communicate. You need to be on the same page to actually be effective in the game, to have the highest level weapons and abilities or, and, uh, items. And there's no sort of uh, with, actual in-game communication tool, right? Ah, uh, there is, but it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, it's so it's supposed to be secure where only your team can chat, but there's nothing saying the other team can't create a fake account and just listen. So, uh, we use, <laughs> We use Google Hangouts mostly to do our, our communication and organization. And in the community I'm part of, we have hundreds of members and dozens of, of chat rooms that we use to, to be regional in San Jose and Milpitas or, or Mountain View or whatever. They all have their Hangouts so that agents in that area can connect locally and be effective instead of everyone in the South Bay area trying to talk all at once, which is noisy. Uh, we break it down so that they can connect and work together as a team. And basically that's the, the short of ingress. You want to work as a team to take the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, going into uh, uh, Pokemon Go, comparing the two, is there anything... Uh, I, I've gotten the impression that the actual searching for of Pokemon is actually a new thing, the way they show up or move or, or whatever, that there wasn't exactly a, a parallel to that in ingress. Is that true? Or that, okay. is, that is true. So... Uh, there are parallels, and your your listeners may be interested to to learn this. Um, it took me some time, over a year, to actually figure out the nature of energy and ingress. Basically, you you use fuel to do things, which is different than Pokemon, uh, and you have a limited amount of fuel until you have to re up and like use power cubes or whatever to get more power to do things. Um, ah, and so there is ambient energy that floats around the world. You can collect it. Uh, for free, just by walking over it, like Pac-Man does, uh-huh. and you get that energy to use. Uh, and this energy, we thought for a long time, was randomly generated all around the world, but we weren't seeing it over oceans, we weren't seeing it over lakes, you know, we weren't seeing it in places where people weren't. We were only seeing it where people were, and we realized, whenever you make a Google service call from your phone, like GPS location, mail, instant message, whatever it may be, any sort of service request, it does a, a time-shifted sort of algorithm, and it will place a piece of XM where you made that service call three days later or something, or three hours later. Hmm. <clears throat> and this same mechanism is what causes Pokemon to spawn in Pokemon Go. Yeah. So it's it's the, the time shift and everything I mentioned is radically different, and it's much fewer. Uh, in, in, the, in the Ingress game, it's pretty much every single time you make a call, 
sooner or later XM will appear. But with Pokemon Go, you make a service request, and sometime later, an appropriate Pokemon will spawn of the region type you're in. Like, if you live in a valley, you'll probably get grass and, and whatever type your Pokemon players are familiar with this. But um, they will only show up where people are using their smartphones. They won't show up where people are not. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is to prevent people from seeing a Pokemon in a dead zone and not being able to get it. So this is a really smart move on their part. As to them moving around, uh, as a Pokemon trainer, I'm still trying to understand this the same way I tried to understand XM and Ingress, how it works, you know, um, what's going on with that. It seems like they might move. I'm not really certain. They disabled a feature that showed you how far Pokemon are from you because it was destroying their game. <laughs> and but in Pokemon Go, uh, it used to have one, two, or three paw distances away from you, and you could sort of triangulate and hone in on the one you wanted. And uh, that's how it used to work uh, until it destroyed the game, and they had to make it everything is three feet, three paw prints away. So it's really hard to tell if you're getting closer to the Pokemon you want or not. Um, and right now they actually but, have that whole thing disabled. It just doesn't show anything, I believe, on the latest update. Yeah. At yeah, least on Android. I don't feature. think they've done that on iOS yet. And and they did promise that they're going to fix every current feature before they release new ones, which is great. Right. Um, Niantic. I'm hoping Niantic gets to work on that soon. Uh, <laughs> this, game is, this game is hugely popular, and it's only going to get more popular unless they screw screw up and don't get the game where it needs to be. Yeah, uh, they've I'm, got a huge audience out there waiting in in Asia for this game to be released. Yeah, and, and that's just gonna so hmm, sorry, finish uh, your blow the top off this. Is, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, that's just gonna blow the top of this game. Yeah, yeah, um, that's actually one thing I wanted to hit on too. Is just sort of the the a lot of people are are saying like, oh, it's broken all the time. Oh, its servers are are terrible or whatever. And I'm I'm thinking that. Pokemon Go is actually one of the most amazingly tech, technically speaking, it's one of the most amazingly impressive releases I have ever seen because it, it just sort of put this into context. Okay. Within the first week of this game being released, it had more users in a day, like half again more than the peak World of Warcraft subscription. Mm. Wow. So you had a really young game with unproven servers and unproven server technology <laughs> uh, from a company that's never had to scale up that high, and pretty much no one has ever had to scale up that fast with a relatively new kind of, of way of using positioning uh, technology. The fact that a whole server uh, uh, structure didn't just, like, explode and take out the surrounding cities is stunning (laughs) much less it's up and it's running okay now i i need to explain something here because a a lot of people don't exactly understand and i don't understand fully but i'm i'm sort of tangentially aware of it what goes on when you're setting up a server for a game okay it's not that you can have one computer that sort of just talks to everybody because, well, for one thing, it can only, you know, speak to so many people at once. It can only hold on to so much information at once. It can only, like, like when you go on and do something uh, in Pokemon Go here, you've got uh, your game and your progress, sort of that sort of uh, imprint of you 
that's saved on the server. So anytime you log in, the server has to look up who you are and give you your information. Uh, then it has to know where you are. It has to figure out who's near you, tell you who's near you. And that part's probably why the whole three-step thing was causing a lot of problems, because that's grabbing a whole lot of additional information. It's just like, okay, it, rather than saying, okay, who is within X distance of you? Okay, here you go. And if you were going to then divide that up into to like, okay, specifically, how far is this person from you? How far is this Pokemon from you? Okay, now we need to calculate that down. Is it one, two, or three steps? Okay, the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, however many are close uh -huh. to you. It's just a whole lot more calculation. Now, if you're going to have one machine do that for everybody in the world, and this is over 20 million, maybe, I haven't checked the latest numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 25 plus 25 million plus users now. If you had to do that for everybody who's connecting at the same time, no, one computer can't do that. So you have to scale your server. You have to uh, spin up another game server. They'll talk to each other to, to sort of run off of the same data, but they'll handle communication uh, uh, independently of each other so one doesn't have to shoulder the whole load. Now, if you're going to go from, Jesus, nothing to, you know, 10 million, 20 million in the span of a week, you're not going to be having those servers spinning up and responding themselves manually. I mean, they probably had like, they probably, geez, I don't even, I don't know how efficient their servers are, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 100, 200 servers that got spun up in that first week. Again, I'm, I'm not exactly an expert with the server technology. Um, but if clearly, to me, it seems that those new servers were being automatically spun up as the need presented itself. And yeah, hmm. yeah, that's a pretty much an industry standard these days. Yeah, uh, people who use Amazon Web Services and like perhaps Google Web Services will um, reach a threshold where they're not at critical, but they're approaching it, and they will, like you said, spin up another server that's exactly the same processor as the one that was running, and will attach to the same database to get that user information you were talking about. Right, and yeah. the. I know that the process for, you know, splitting stuff off, it's not, um, things can go wrong there too. So the fact that, <laughs> the fact that this, with its automation, scaled up so big, so fast, and the game didn't just die is amazing. Absolutely incredible to me. I've never seen, I don't think we've ever seen this in software before in general, much less in mobile. Um, mm. I mean, of course, you know, the, the mobile caveat is not that the mobile server needs are so particularly different. It's just that, you know, the attention and effort and prestige and money associated with it isn't necessarily going to be the same as it would be when we were going into World of Warcraft. And remember, when World of Warcraft was young, there was a lot of jokes about how long the login server's uh, queue was. They were not able to process people logging into the game in a timely manner. Yeah. That's the kind of success they have. And Pokemon Go has just kind of been, you know, just trucking along the whole time. It's, it, it, I can't keep, it's stunning to me. It's absolutely stunning. <clears throat> yeah. Niantic has had some, uh, some experience with, uh, scaling servers. We have periodic events where every player pretty much will activate in one region and go play on the same day at the same time. Mm. We call those anomalies. I'm sure we'll see something like this. Pokemon Go. Uh, but yeah, there's the activity goes from like casual players on their lunch to just thousands of people hitting the server like hard to, huh. to win the game, to win the day. 
And uh, so Niantic has to deal with that, too. I mean, not only is it just in Seattle or in uh, Washington, D.C., where thousands of people are playing at the same time together, but it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week game. It's always being played by people all around the world. Um, When you load the game, it'll show you a map of the Earth with uh, the fields from last week. And, yeah, it's a worldwide game. People are playing all the time. So they're always scaling up servers, spinning up new servers, uh, and scaling their services to account for these anomalies and just the typical players who are constantly using their services. Interesting. So uh, here's a question for you. In sure. Ingress, has, in your experience there, have they ever had uh, server downtime problems? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm. Uh, a couple times. The biggest time was when we brought on iOS. It was Android <laughs> first because obviously Google games, so they started with Android. But when iOS came on, it maybe added a third of the player base or, or half of the player base on top of what we already had, and that caused a lot of problems. I think that was a big learning moment for Niantic. Interesting. Uh, because it was not different requests coming in from iOS. It was just a ton more. They had to be responsive to that by, like you said, spinning up new servers. And yeah, that was a no, good that, experience uh, for them. I'm, I'm sure that accounts for a lot of uh, the uh, sort of robustness of Pokemon Go being able to do what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, when when it was released uh, worldwide originally, there were some server issues, but that's expected. And I think they've learned a lot from that, and I think, yeah, it helps them uh, make Pokemon Go a, a bigger success than it might have been had they started with that instead of Ingress. Mm-hmm. Mm. So here's another question for you as a pretty experienced Ingress player. One of the one of the bits of feedback that uh, I've seen for Pokemon Go is how its monetization is less, mm, shall we say, overt or pestering than other free-to-play mobile games. Would you say that the uh, sort of presentation or placement of the the you know in-app purchases and other monetization techniques in Pokemon Go and Ingress are comparable, or is there much of a difference from one to the other? There is a pretty big difference between one and the other. Oh, actually, maybe not, now that I think about it. So in Ingress, <laughs> there is there is a chaotic matter units, which you purchase with money, like real money around the world, uh, and you get the same number of chaotic matter units, and but the price changes where you are. Um, and you can spend those to purchase... Uh, other items that you might need, like frackers or capsules or uh, things that you can use to augment your game. With Pokemon Go, they give you the bread and butter. You can buy Pokeballs. You can buy incense and, and lures for your um, Pokestops uh, with cash money. And in Ingress, you can't. You can't buy weapons. You can't buy hardware. You have you can only buy things that make the game more interesting, uh, I guess. Uh, but with Pokemon, they really want to give you uh, the bread and the butter so that you can just keep playing. Uh, so that's that's one of the major differences in the in that purchases between Ingress and Pokemon Go. Um, but as far as layout, um, their interfaces are highly different. Uh, Ingress is more like a super secret spy app, and Pokemon Go is an immersive, beautiful world where you see leaves <laughs> twinkling in the wind. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's much more relaxing. Yeah. That, yeah, that was that was actually another thing that I I noticed when I started them up uh, relative to each other is that Ingress felt very at least when I started it when I started up Ingress it looked very um, 
the best analogy I can come up with it was command line. Like, if uh, you were working oh, yeah. at a computer yeah. and and there, it didn't have a graphical user interface and you're just typing in the commands, um, not that that's what Ingress looked like. It has its own map and everything, but it kind of gave me that same feeling as a user. Whereas Pokemon has a much more um, colorful, vibrant, lively user interface that kind of um, endears itself to you a lot more directly. Yes, I agree completely. Uh, and that was, I'm sure it's intentional both ways. The Ingress game was supposed to be, uh, was supposed to appeal to, uh, a certain audience. Audience likes that cloak and dagger command line kind of look and feel. Uh, and of course Pokemon is uh, targeted to a huge audience of Pokemon fans. So I think that they've done a very good job with the user interface on both games okay. to, to appeal to their audiences. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely a big consideration that has to be, uh, taken when designing a game and its look and feel is, you know, what's your intended audience and what is the feeling that you want to invoke in that intended audience. And that's actually j- kind of, you, you, I appreciate that when you're talking about Pokemon, you're saying it's appealing to a wide audience rather than appealing to children because that's one of the things that I think makes this such a unique event in, well, not just uh, technology history, games history, modern history, but like, world history really i mean it i don't know if this is going to have any you know far-reaching impacts in you know history books but i like i said this is just a very unique thing because you have this developer who kind of had this idea and worked on it and worked out all the kinks like you said you know a lot of their experience made this possible uh the sort of GPS and augmented reality type of technology became available. The market was ready for it. We have everyone with the smartphones. So the platform was effectively ubiquitous. <clears throat> and we have a property that lends itself so powerfully to the gameplay mechanic and concept. Not only that, but has been very popular and has been around long enough that not only does it still appeal to children, but the there are people who grew up with it who are now of the age to be earning disposable income and would want to play it themselves. And has also been around long enough that it has brand recognition with people who were too old to have grown up with it. So there's a little bit of just common knowledge element to it. Um, cause yep. you know, every, everyone, even if you don't exactly know Pokemon, you probably know the phrase Pokemon. You've probably heard the phrase, gotta catch them all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the onboarding is just culturally shared knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and clearly just there was some interest in the market itself to have something like this. I mean, you can't have this level of success and adoption without there having been a market that was being underserved in some form or another. Uh, it Could it be that uh, people didn't realize that they really wanted an excuse to go out? Could it be, you know, it's, it's facilitating the teamwork and collaboration and communication with other people in a way that people didn't realize they wanted or they wanted and, and didn't have any, uh, socially acceptable or personally interesting way to exercise that need. I don't know, 
but clearly there was something. Maybe it's all of it too. Um, but it is such a, a unique, um, synergy of so many huge, huge things in technology, in the market, in society that I, I would be surprised if, Certainly, if this ever happens, something like this ever happens again in our lifetime, if ever at all, I am very much expecting this to be a once in history kind of a thing. I mean, well, that that really it, depends on how well Niantic handles it. If they if they pull this off really well, uh, I think it could be a, a, a game changer for the industry. Oh, yeah. For so long, for so long before cell phones, we were sitting sitting in front of our TVs or computers to play video games. And there's a lot of us. There are gamers out there. We're uh, we're a culture. We're pretty big in this generation, uh, and we've been trained to sit down and play video games. And now Pokemon and Ingress have us standing up and walking around. We're we're getting out of the out of the chairs and into the streets. And uh, <laughs> I think that's a that's I, one of those I, I great know. taglines: out of the chairs and into the streets. <laughs> there's a revolution. But uh, no, seriously, uh, we were now we. People were asking us, "Why don't you go out more? Why don't you guys? Why do you guys always sit in front of your TVs and, and computers? We love games, and now yeah. we can do both. We can get outside, walk around, uh, go places we haven't been with friends, which is even better. Uh, yeah. you don't have to dial up to, to hang out with your friends. You can actually meet them somewhere and yeah. uh, capture portals or capture Pokemon, depending on what game you're playing, and yeah. have a really good time." That's actually one of the things I wrote in in my article a few weeks ago. Was there was um, my mother when I was a child. Uh, always said, you know, why can't they make a game that gets you to, to go outside? And, you know, now it exists. Yep. Been a Crazy. long time coming. And I think, and I think that inclination to go out and play is when I was young, I used to go out and play when I wasn't playing Nintendo or whatever. Uh, and I really liked it. And my friends and I used to have a lot of fun going outside and, and running around and, and just being in the open air and being in the sunshine. Uh, and I feel like that's a natural part of what makes us us and um, <clears throat> and that we have a, a natural inclination to go outside and play. Uh, we yeah. did it for, I don't know, thousands of years before computers. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and, and this and, enables us to this enables us to indulge in that feeling and, and to take advantage of it and go out and actually play. Mm-hmm. While still sort of uh, partaking in this, you know, historically very recent uh, pastime of, of uh, video games and electronic toys and interactive media. It's historically recent, but it's integral to our generation, to mm-hmm. what makes us us, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would love to see uh, more games like this come up in the future. I think there are uh, opportunities for other franchises. Uh, the princess culture could get involved in this. You could have princess tea parties if you could <laughs> uh, make yourself uh, a, a, a game like that, or uh, I'm really not sure. I mean, any any kind of game you can think of, you could probably work into an augmented reality game. Tower defense, right? You walk around and place towers. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah, uh, and you can see the dudes walking around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you you can you can augment reality a lot of games, and I think that there is a a big market for that out there. It's just getting technology right and being able to scale effectively, like you said, uh, to, mm-hmm. to manage growth of players and and other services like that. Yeah. Uh, oh I think man! It could happen. I think we could see more like this. That that, that actually makes me think of another op, uh, uh, possibility, which would be like simulated zombie outbreak. Because I remember we were around uh, at the same place at a time when when uh, if you remember, Bruce kept having those uh, uh, zombie outbreak 
<laughs> discussions about would this work, would this not work, and uh, so you could have kind yeah, of like a, a, a world like I, sort of a, a tangent here, but uh, I've always been a fan of uh, players versus the board kind of uh, board games. You know, you've got your uh, mm-hmm. Shadows of a Camelot, you've got your Arkham Horror or Pandemic or um, uh, Battlestar Galactica. All those games, I think they're I think they're uh, a blast. And if you could turn a game into a um, the entire world versus the game, I think that would be fascinating. Mm, I agree. You de- you definitely uh, have to be careful. Uh, uh, in the implementation that it's not okay. The you you need the you need to have like some sort of uh, uh, balance for the engagement level that the world is displaying, so that uh, the the competition can continue, uh, mm-hmm. so that the 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 players don't have the entire world challenge on lockdown, nor is the the challenge just uh, overwhelming or anything. But I, I yeah. It's something that came up when you were mentioning tower defense, just like the idea seems like oh, it could be a yeah, lot of Earth, fun. Yeah. I, you've got to, like you said, build in natural board elements that clear for you. Uh, with ingress, uh, portals decay 10% every day. And if you leave mm-hmm. it alone for 10 days, it dies. It goes neutral. Someone else can just walk up and take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Pokemon, uh, you can battle gems to clear them and take them. Uh, so it seems like uh, it's set up to, I actually don't know if, Gyms decay. I've never Pokemon hasn't been out long enough for me to test that, so <laughs> I really don't know. There's probably been far too much activity and and uh, uh, like actual, you know, battling over the gyms to uh, yes. for that to have really happened yet. The the release date cor- cor- correlating with summertime really helped because now you got kids <laughs> with time <clears throat> out there playing and, these games. And, and yeah, that's that's actually another element that that led to just this you know once ever thing. It's just like it came out at the exact right time of year too well scheduling is not hard hollywood has been scheduling things for ages to to co-align with when people are free to watch movies Uh, Mm. so i feel like um other other companies may be able to use timing and a great ip to launch another augmented reality game Uh, i would i'll definitely try it out if anyone out there does i'll definitely give your game a try but you gotta there's a lot of factors to consider and i'm looking forward to seeing where, where this goes but uh, it, certainly with Pokemon, kind of just almost, I, I can't, I can't honestly say inventing the market or genre because, of course, Ingress preceded it. But this level of success and pervasiveness in the market, uh, it's it's brought about all kinds of other stories about because you know, like we've said, this leads to a lot of interaction between people, and yeah. there's been a few. You know, uh, kind of weird or even tragic stories about, you know, people using this to, to facilitate robbery and whatnot. But they also, there's so many heartwarming stories. Things like, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's kids at a children's hospital who can't get around. So people go there and just drop lures so that the kids can capture Pokemon. Uh, um, stuff about, you know, there, there, there's people who meet each other. I saw some weird, story uh, about um uh was it a gym got captured or something i can't something someone saw uh, uh someone in a park with the username poop 96 and and they're there with their friends they don't know who that is and they look over and see someone on their phone on a bench over there over there and they just say hey are you poop 96 and he just walks up and says yes poop 69 was taken 
uh, <laughs> weird stories like that. Um, and the, the, <clears throat> even business opportunities where you got a bar owner who all they do is buy and drop lures all day mm-hmm. and makes their place of business attractive to Pokemon Go players and it just drives a lot of business into their business. So, I mean, it's helping other people even. It has this sort of, uh, uh I don't know, rub off effects kind of a thing. Uh, it brings up social questions too, which, which I find fascinating. There is an article about, uh, Pokemon Go is dangerous for me to play as a black man because if I'm walking around the, uh, yeah. the block a couple times, you know, staring at my phone, are people going to be suspicious? And, you know, I mean, it's kind of an unpleasant reality and something that we as a people need to work to address. But the fact that Pokemon Go points out the problem, I look at that as Pokemon Go's aspect, uh, uh, sort of contribution to this as a positive because it points out certain questions, certain hypocrisies. This shouldn't be a problem. Um, and there, there, there are other just sort of heartwarming stories, interesting stories, positive stories that come out of this. And, uh, oh, um, how Pokemon Go has helped people get over, uh, uh some anxiety disorders because it, it just, compels them they're engaged enough that they want to go out and also i i haven't read up enough about these i've seen of them but i haven't read up enough about them to to verify if this is something that's been mentioned but i wouldn't be surprised if um the sort of lens effect you know how if you're a photographer uh and you're looking through the lens at something it actually distances you from what's actually happening around you uh, and you don't even think of yourself as there. I wouldn't be surprised if the map and AR screens uh, have that effect on someone with that anxiety. So, I mean, it's it's helping people meet each other. It's helping bring up social issues. It's helping businesses. It's helping uh, uh, kids. It's giving people a way to get together. It's helping people with uh, behavioral health issues in some ways. It's it's just I, I can't I can't stop kind of gushing about how amazing of a of an event this is yeah it's really good the fact that there are three teams makes it even better with uh, ingress there were only two mm-hmm. uh, green and blue and you would get players of all kinds on both teams uh, aggressive players casual players super friendly super shy and you would have them more or less evenly distributed between the two teams with Pokemon Go, there are three teams, and I feel like the more shy people are going towards yellow, and the more aggressive people are going towards red, and the more casual people are going towards blue. And I think that's why the demographics <laughs> skew the way they do. Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually uh, seen some uh, analysis about that, How? because I know blue makes up almost half of the players. Uh, so with Yeah, with, with red uh, a strong second, and yellow a distant third. And yeah. uh, some analysis saying, well, it's because blue is the most popular color and it's put in the center when you're choosing. Okay. Yellow is less popular as a color hmm. than red or blue. So, and, and, you know, there's uh, some other analysis about blue is a color that uh, sort of signifies peacefulness it's you know a calm blue sea or a blue sky whereas red tends to be more of a color of aggression or action you know blood or passion uh if that was intentional i'd be interested to know uh yeah 
or if it's just Pokemon IP. If it's just Pokemon IP, then there's nothing to do about it. But if Niantic really wanted to give us these options as players to see what we do with them, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Niantic would also be interested in sort of driving a bit more, uh, to, uh, sort of membership number parity between the teams. Um, I, I have no idea how they would do that. I don't know what it means. I mean, they're the ones that have all of the sort of analytic data about player behavior to kind of, maybe they're going to start giving the teams a bit more personality or something. I have no idea. But, we really uh, hope they have the. We really hope they have the analytics data during the early days of Ingress. <clears throat> we would do a lot of things, and we assumed that they were being tracked, <laughs> but they weren't. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, uh, they would release badges, achievement badges later in the game for things we've been doing the whole time. But it would start at the zero for everybody. It's like, wait, oh, I thought you guys uh, were tracking this. Oh, <laughs> uh, some, some they were. Uh, there's a, a, an element of how much you walk in these games that's important. Uh, in mm. Ingress, it is the most reputable badge, how far you walk. To have Onyx Trekkers to be really respected, because you play the game. You actually go out there and walk around. Uh, um, and that was one that they had been tracking the whole time, and when they released it, it was eye-opening. You could see immediately who plays Ingress in their cars and who gets out and has adventure. Huh. So it, it distinguishes uh, some people between... people had the bronze badge, and I started with the platinum badge. Aha. Uh-huh. So it distinguishes between, yeah, how far people you know, walk. well, I was going to say you could see who plays it in their car. So it, it distinguishes uh-huh. between like um, automobile velocity and, and foot velocity and counts the foot velocity. Well, for sure. Uh, your phone knows when you're jogging and knows when you're walking for your for your health apps. It uses mm-hmm. the exact same measurement system to know if you're walking or if you're in a car. So okay. it knows your phone knows. Uh, and, and people try to cheat it or whatever by driving slowly and shaking their phone in their hand. I'm like, just get out and walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's the same with Pokemon. To hatch eggs, you need to walk around. And uh, I've seen parents trying to hatch eggs, and I just don't think that's a good solution. You need to get out with your kids and, and walk around. The yeah, apparently there's a lot, of, a lot of different uh, sort of cheats for hatching the eggs, like putting the... Um, uh, I've I've seen a video of putting the phone on a toy train so that it looped around and all kinds of other stuff. And oddly enough, apparently the creators uh, don't have a problem with sort of faking your travel to hatch an egg, but they do have a problem with the the kind of maps and other tools that are out to help find the Pokemon in your area. Right. There's a very good reason for that. Um, and it's been a problem in Ingress. Uh, because Ingress players will uh, hack the map to get additional data that they're not supposed to get uh, and use that to advantage, like find someone's oldest portal and, and take it out so they don't get an achievement. Uh, and the problem, the real problem with this is that they're doing it a lot <clears throat> and recording the data. So they're basically hitting the server with server requests all day, all night, trying to get more data from the server. And this isn't this isn't normal user behavior. This is above and beyond than what everyone all around the world 24-7 is hitting the map to get information for. And so that costs them money. Every time you do a server request, it's a penny or whatever, and they're just racking up thousands of dollars of illegal uh, or inappropriate uh, server requests. And so Niantic wants to solve that problem with Pokemon Go by not having a Pokestop map, not having something that they have to serve up and that can be exploited. Hmm. Uh, and once they get that solution in place, they'll probably release 
a streamlined version of a map uh, that, so you can find Pokestops. He'll probably be in the, the, the Pokeball menu at some point. Hmm. Interesting. So speaking of the maps, that's another one of the sort of controversies that Pokemon Go has had where – um, I, I believe, in, and you should, I, I think you can confirm this for me, that the, the initial map for Pokemon Go was entirely based off of the map for Ingress, where portals became Pokestops or, or whatever. And uh, in Ingress, you could uh, propose a location to be a portal. And yes. sort of because Pokemon became so much more popular that portal spots and ingress becoming Pokegems, there became a whole lot more traffic to those locations. Right. And maybe they weren't even aware that they were an ingress portal, but now they know they're a Pokestop. <laughs> they know it's a Pokestop, and some places around my neighborhood have actually put signs out in front of their businesses that say Pokestop here. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're, they're actually going to those links to put out signs with Pokeballs on them and say, hey, you know, stop over here. Uh, but no, you're right. Uh, the map is the, the portals in Ingress were more or less converted into Pokestops and gyms at random, perhaps. I'm not really sure how they did it. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Um, but so like you said, uh, Ingress players, not Niantic, went around and found portals, submitted them and went through this partially broken approval process, which was terminated about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. Uh, so we can no longer submit new portals. Um, but I've had 106 portals approved, so your Pokey Gym in the Bay Area might be one of mine, uh, one of the ones I had approved. Yeah. Uh, and it's neat, because uh, it's sort of a labor of love getting all these portals approved uh, and getting them into the game. And now I, I, there are kids in my neighborhood, and they, they'll run down the sidewalk screaming the name of one of my portals. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> I like this. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's all the same, all the same locations from Ingress to Pokemon. Uh, more or less, they took some out. Uh, some that were uh, inappropriate or whatever, they did a long review process to get rid of bad portals before they released Pokemon Go. So yeah. it should be a pretty pretty good list of of uh, Poke gems and stops out there. Yeah, this is kind of the double edged sort of user generated content because uh, <laughs> you're either going to have to review everything or something. You can't uh. uh Unless there's something else going on, you can't just turn that into a perpetual motion machine where users create content for other users and there's no review process or something. So, uh, I, I know we, there's we still. Saw that. Hmm? I was gonna say we saw that with Foursquare, uh, where people could at, at the beginning uh, create their own locations, and there was a lot of profanity. There was a lot of get you know get you know what here or whatever. So. Uh, Foursquare had to turn around and, and put the kibosh on that and, and institute a review process themselves. But yeah, when, when players are allowed to just make content, look out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think, I get the feeling that there's still going to be some more locations in Pokemon Go that are going to get culled because there's stories of like, oh, this, this person, their house is a Pokestop because it used to be a church or something like that. Uh, sure, you can actually, there are good reasons to have a Pokestop at your house. I actually have one of mine, uh, because <laughs> there is a playground. There's a playground right outside, and I submitted uh, one of the uh, exercise toys, I guess, whatever you want to call it, as a portal, and it got approved. Yeah. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have a Pokestop that I can reach from my bed. <laughs> yeah, there there are people who probably don't want the uh, the extra foot traffic going around them, though. So. At first, it made me a little anxious because of ingress. 
you know, normally people standing and looking at their cell phones by there were taking down my portal. Uh, uh, but and now it's just families with their kids, teenagers running around playing Pokemon. I feel completely relaxed about it. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And, and you, um, were, you were saying uh, you were saying that brings more foot traffic. And that's absolutely true. Uh, ingress players like to drink. We like to go to gaming stores, like to go to these places uh, to spend our money otherwise. And we would submit them as portals. Hmm. Interesting. It's like comic book shops in San Jose that are portals, or pokey stops. Uh, the downtown area of San Jose and Sunnyvale are both full of portals or pokey stops because of we would go there. That's where we would go to to play and have a good time. Hmm. Outside of Ingress. Ah. Uh, 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 and so yeah, those now that the pokey stops are probably going to bring a lot more foot traffic to the owners of those uh, establishments that had had uh, portals approved there. Hmm. So. Um... Yeah, we've covered a lot of uh, the game itself. Um, I think I think even what it does on the business side, it, what 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 Pokemon Go has shown t- through like investor behavior and so forth has been fascinating because there was a whole lot of people who bought so much stock in Nintendo that its stock value, it, like its stock, doubled in value over a few days. And this is all by people who who you know. Even I was under this misimpression, but I wasn't buying stock in Nintendo that uh, uh, didn't realize, they didn't do the research to see that uh, the Pokemon Company is not directly owned by Nintendo. It's like a collaboration between <laughs> Nintendo and two other companies, like the Monster Company and something else. Um, <laughs> it's just mm. that Nintendo's the one that everybody knows about. So apparently Nintendo is going to be getting... It's something like Niantic is paying a licensing fee to the Pokemon Company, and some of that's going to Nintendo or something like that. So I guess Niantic is going to be keeping the lion's share of the revenue from the game, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about that or anything. It's a good deal structure if you can get it, I suppose. But, I mean, I I don't know the specifics either. I mean, maybe the licensing fee is tremendous, and they need like half of the current users to actually make the payments that could be possible too i don't know or maybe the royalty is structured based on like a percentage of their revenue or who knows um but uh yeah i think it's it's really funny that there's a whole bunch of people like oh my god nintendo is so valuable now it's the second coming of the wii or something like that it's like (laughs) no 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 that's that's not actually how the ownership works maybe you should actually look into that before you pump you know millions of dollars into a company so that nintendo's value had this weird ass spike Hmm. that's interesting it's probably related to pokemon but I wonder if something else is is brewing behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe oh they're yeah, the, the, the AR device or something. The 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 spike was directly due to Pokemon. I mean, people weren't oh. even you know hidden about that one. There's some speculation going on right now about the nature of the the NX console, um, but that wouldn't that would definitely yeah that might drive some stock interest, but it but would, certainly like wouldn't cause that now. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we've gone over a pretty good, uh, portion of what there is to talk about Pokemon Go. I, I, without just repeating over and over again, just how, how fascinating and wonderful. And I, I hope that continues. I hope this game has legs, but I mean, it already seen it like the bow wave for retention has been huge. I mean, Mitomo, Mitomo made a 
big splash. Nintendo's first mobile game made a pretty big splash when it first came out, and it it kind of died off because while there's a lot of you know fun stuff to it, the core of it isn't quite deep enough to keep you coming back. I almost wish I was more compelled to keep coming back to Tomo, but every time I start it up and it's it's launch time is is kind of atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, on and it had good retention at first, but it's it's long term retention turned out not to be so great. So far, uh, Pokemon Go doesn't seem to be showing any signs of letting up. And it's only going to get more intense when they start releasing more community driven stuff. Uh, where you need to work with other players and you start yeah. forming and, these bonds of friendships with other players, yeah. And I, and I, I hope they have a good, like, adding new features makes things more, uh, uh, it gives you more play value, it gives you more retention, long-term retention for players, and I hope they do it in a way where the new content doesn't become off-putting for new adopters, you know, people who come into the party late. Mm-hmm. I've seen some games well, where they just keep adding systems and features and, and new stuff, and... I, I used to play City of Heroes, and I saw them add a whole bunch of stuff, and then I stopped playing for a while, and I came back, you know, before the game uh, was shut down, and I saw all these new systems, and I'm like, at this point, I don't even, it had like eight forms of currency, and I'm like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing anymore, I'm just going to go back to the basic stuff and have some fun while it's still up. Um, so, I, I hope any new features are done in a more approachable and organic way than, than that sort of, you know, patchwork tacked on stuff. Kludgy, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, how, but where they take it and how, how they evolve the game, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And actually, there's, there's, there's two more things about this that I find fascinating. One, it it also exposes certain political things about how apparently Russia is already getting freaked out by people playing Pokemon Go. They think it's I don't know. There's accusations that it's it was designed by the CIA or <laughs> you know whatever or even the fact it's that CIA uh, Antic, yeah <laughs> um or kind of the fact that you know. It was released in the United States before it was released in Japan. So to some extent, I, I, I uh, wrote a long time ago about the, the premise of soft launch, how that works. Um, and the order here is a bit different, where United States isn't the final release, isn't the, the marker for a worldwide release, because it is or was still, I haven't checked its availability lately, but it, it wasn't available in Japan. I think it's been released there since then. But... uh yeah, United States, all of us, we were soft launch users. <laughs> yeah, you can you could say we were beta testers, and I, I don't. Know. <laughs> just, the 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 exact <clears throat> definition of release in mobile has to run on a different sort of scale than than other stuff. You can't you can't really think of soft launch and beta as the same thing. Right. And yet and yet it's still not going to be quite a final release. So, you know, just the way you think about it has to change. Uh, yeah, it's well, just it's cer- it's certainly not a final release. There's so much more they can add <laughs> and so much more they can do. So, oh yeah, and that's a, that's another thing. Actually, um, this the, saying that reminded me. I saw a a video on YouTube by Vox uh, talking about um, free to play mechanics, and uh, man, I I might have to to do an article kind of tearing down that video because there is a lot of just. 
misinterpreted data and misrepresented stuff about how you know oh it's 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 behavioral psychology you you have to buy in-game currency with real currency because it separates you from the uh, the uh, the premise of actually spending money on these in-game items because you're not spending actual money you're spending the money that you bought and because of that you don't know, or you know it's the the exchange rate isn't exactly the same it it wouldn't be like you spend 1 buck to get 10 gems or whatever it could be 11 or 12 and it's like well you realize we sell these things internationally, so those exchange rates are going to apply anyway, and the in-game value isn't necessarily going to be one-to-one with a dollar. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's there's so much stuff wrong with that. Anyhow, um, they, they were talking about Pokemon Go in this as well, about how less intrusive it is or, or, or whatever, which is actually why I asked about that earlier. Um, mm. But... Uh, yeah, the, the, the apparently like the monetization has been huge, the downloads uh-huh. have been huge, the user base have been huge. I I think on App Any it's still just a straight line number one in games and and downloads and revenue. It's just uh-huh. it's crazy that it it's just, it's just so amazing that it didn't even have to struggle to get to the top. I don't know if they've even spent a dime on user acquisition. It's just the Pokemon name carried it that far. And and yeah. then now it's just got its. It, that's unheard of, because mm-hmm. it got released kind of out of nowhere. It was unheralded. People didn't know it was coming. Uh, it just happened, and the whole world j- just joined along for the ride. It's mm-hmm. it's so amazing. And it's a lot of fun too. I like this game. Ah, <laughs> oh, I I just ah oh, man, I I I. I I'm just going to keep gushing over it. I, I just, I just hope it has success. I hope it keeps bringing people together in a positive way. I know there's still going to be problems. There's problems with everything. The problems with this because it involves, you know, real world stuff can be, uh, scarier, but I, I think on the balance, the positives have been far outweighing the negatives. Um, and just, just, man, just wow. I, I, the, the, and to think that this may not be, sort of the end of the concept. Uh, it seems like um, this is where the concept of... Um, you and I have worked for a guy uh, uh, in the past who would uh, say about how uh, mobile was what was going to bring people together. How um, the the TV screen, you know, you sit down at the TV screen and it would kind of separate people, but uh, mobile technology in, in turn would help bring us back together or social media would bring us together. And I think it, it kind of feels like Pokemon Go is the sort of tipping point, sort of the dawning of actualization of this idea, how you can have just huge groups of people looking for a Pokemon. Uh, you can have... Uh, I mean, if, if, if you didn't have that level of engagement, you wouldn't have these pranks where one guy's sort of off to the side of a huge group of people playing and yelling, Oh my God, there's this really rare thing over here and causing a, you know, comically call it a stampede of people trying to grab it or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's only possible because people are together. People are doing this. People are engaged. They care. They want to do it. They want to be together and do more. It's just. Ah, I'm I'm spinning my wheels now. I think <laughs> it's okay. No, you're totally right though. Um, <clears throat> we have been a community for a long time. We've just been separated by the TV screen. Now we're trying to get our community 
to play together outside. And this is a great step towards that. Mm-hmm. Getting so, the gamer nation together. <laughs> and, uh, and let's, uh, sort of, uh, I suppose I'll kind of cap this off with, uh, my hope that, uh, the gamer nation as it comes together kind of, you know, takes to heart, if not, uh, direct inspiration, but lives by it anyway. The words from Bill and Ted's excellent adventures to, you know, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Great advice. Sage advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I, I, I think that's, uh, over all of the main things I wanted to, t- uh, to touch on for our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add, uh, <clears throat> as we wind this down a bit? Uh, <clears throat> Not, nothing specific. <clears throat> I would like to say that if you're on the fence about playing Pokemon Go or Ingress, give it a try. Go out there, walk around, and just just uh, feel your way through the game. Uh, get, yeah. Just give it a chance, basically. Yeah. And if sure. you play Ingress, I mean, uh, don't don't hesitate to reach out and meet other players. Most we're a self policing community, and uh, we typically don't allow aggressive or violent people to play the game. We we uh, run them out. Fascinating. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that so, that actually yeah, uh, does sound like a, a a very interesting topic for discussion. It's a big topic, uh, yeah. but most players in Ingress are very friendly on both sides. Uh, I would I would encourage you to to reach out and join your local community wherever you are in the world uh, if you want to play Ingress. Uh, Pokemon, I'm sure, will have these communities too in time, uh, so keep your eye out for them. Okay. Um. So this is the part of the show where I like to have us uh, share some amusing work anecdote. Uh, uh, Alex, I told you about this earlier. Uh, you weren't sure if you had uh, had anything kind of on tap. So have, uh, have you been able to think of something you'd like to, to sort of share with the audience? No, I'm afraid I've had a ton of really great memories, but nothing really <laughs> strikes me as a, a funny story at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes when setting this up, I kind of, uh, I, I lay down some ground rules and in that process, we're like, oh yeah, we do this segment. If you have a story to share, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear it. And sometimes people can't think of it in time. So, uh, I, I have a very brief story that I, I can tell not... life. <laughs> hmm? I'm sorry, what, Alex? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I, I, I have a very, what your story was. oh yeah, I have a very brief story. Uh, I've, I've mined, uh, a lot of my history for this segment to the point where, um, I'm actually going to have to go back through the old podcasts and make sure I know what I've told and what I haven't. Um, <laughs> but this one's, this one's, uh, uh, amusing and, and pretty quick. Um, I worked at, uh, at one place where I worked. It's actually with, uh, with Dave, who I've had, uh, on the show, uh, before and I, I actually hope to have on, on the next one. Uh, but, uh, we would say we actually were sitting at desks that were facing each other and, we would say, you know, you're, you're working at something, you have a question, you, you, you're not exactly sure if someone else is, is, uh, too busy to, to answer the question at the moment. It's not the most pressing thing. You might send them a question in email, even if you're at desks that face each other. Um, and, you know, you know, they, we would actually, when we do that to each other, there'd be times where we would have a, uh, we, we would be able to pay attention and we'd write back. And we'd start going back and forth with email and it gets to the point where email was a bit too cumbersome and we'd switch to chat. So like through Skype or AIM or whatever we were using at the time. Yahoo, maybe. I don't know. And we'd go back and forth and then we'd get to the point where that felt too cumbersome and we would start talking out loud in the middle of a conversation surrounded by other people. And so, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So just spontaneously, we would start talking from the middle of a conversation, and the people around us would get freaked out by this sometimes. Right. I'm sure it was like in the middle, like you're saying, in the middle of a deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and, and and this was this was a long time ago. It wasn't quite at the point where uh, I, I I think some of that's a bit more common now. But uh, at the time, it was it, we were probably in a pit where there wasn't. You know, I mean, it, you know, QA pit's never going to be really silent, but, you know, everyone mm-hmm. would be occupied with their work, and all of a sudden we'd be speaking, you know, full-voiced in the middle of everybody in a conversation that we just started that had no context to other people who, who would overhear. <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, you don't want to be, you know, eavesdropping, but we weren't speaking in a way that would be, you know, <laughs> implying privacy or privilege to our information. Mm-hmm. No context, no nothing. We're just starting in the middle of it. Every, you know, at least one guy thought we were crazy at at, at a certain point. So. <laughs> well, the gaming industry can make you feel a little crazy sometimes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a great story. I, I appreciate you sharing <laughs> that with us. Yeah. Um. So I think that's about it for today. Um. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on. Um. That, that actually, I, I would be interested in having you on again later for a uh a conversation about the self policing community type deal. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, uh, you you can have me anytime you like. Sure. Uh. So we'll try to set that up uh, later. Uh. It won't be next uh, It won't be the next behind the line radio. I have something that I hope will be very fun and interesting planned for that one, but it's a little ambitious, and hopefully, I'll be able to get everything set up for it. Um, hell, it, it, that one, I don't want to overpromise, but I have a feeling that the topic is going to be a very rich vein to mine, and it might wind up having to be split into multiple episodes if we keep going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, so if you have anything else you'd like to hear about, aside from, uh, <laughs> this little surprise is going to be coming next week, or self-policing communities... Uh, or, uh, my next article, the, the previous one was, uh, uh, value Brigador part one. I'm going to be doing Brigador part two. Uh, it's going to be talking about market visibility and any other topics you would like to see me write about or hear me talk about here on behind the light radio, please drop me a line. Kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K Y N E T Y K at enthusiacs.com. And uh, until then, I'll see you next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs.
Thank you.